uh, we, we grew, we started out really where she was kind of just discipling me. And then we grew into being the closest friends. We were together for uh, the first, how many years? Uh, first five years or so. I mean, like nonstop together. Like we, we even lived together at one point for a little while. And um, then, then the Lord moved in, in our lives. Pastor Josh and I met at kids camp. Oh my goodness. No wonder why we love kids camp so much. We met, I mean, we fell in love at kids camp and, uh, we, we, we dated for like two months and then was engaged for like six and then (laughs) got married and been married for almost 15 years. And so during that time, Pastor Josh and I, God called us to do children's ministry and youth ministry. And, uh, Laura, who, who's also, or her and her husband are ordained ministers and they, they, God moved them and, oh man, it was heartbroken break and God knew to let me at least be married before he moved you because <laughs> I would have been a mess but God moved uh, her and her husband to her hometown in Youngstown and uh, they they helped start different youth ministries and a youth center there and it just I mean their youth ministry there is, was larger than our church right now I mean it was just huge and had a school of ministry and just all kinds of things and then from there God moved them to to St. Louis right and then from, to start another youth ministry, and then they planted a church in Texas, and she was preaching all around the country and all kinds of things. And this woman has been through so much. Before, by the age 30, they had already um, buried all of their parents, and um, just the wisdom that she has is way beyond her years. Grew up so, so um, impoverished and got saved as a teenager, and this girl led about 100 teenagers to the Lord in a public school in East Side Youngstown, y'all. I mean, that makes South Side look like the suburbs. I'm just saying. So I lived there for a minute too, so I know what I'm talking about, okay? But I believe that she has a word for, from the Lord to our body specifically. I'm going to be taking notes. I brought my Bible. I brought my journal. I'm going to be taking notes. I encourage you guys, man, if you don't have a Bible or a journal with you, you better use that bulletin for something good, okay? Turn around and you take some notes and let your ears be open because I know God has a word for us today. So thank you for being here. And can we give a warm welcome to Laura? Don't we love our lead pastors? They're the best. I'm sliding all kinds of stuff around. Hold up one second here. Man, this thing is really slippery. Hold on. All right, I got it. I got it. No, it's okay. If it bothers me, I'll just throw it. You guys don't care, right? No, I'm just kidding. Well, Pastor Joy, she kind of introduced me a little bit, but I also want to introduce you to my awesome husband. Some of you guys already know him. He is by far the better half in this combo. And I don't just say that because I'm the one with the microphone. If anyone knows us to any degree in a close way, you know I got the better half of the deal here. (laughs) I got all kind of saucy spiciness and he just helps a sister out. Like, chill it out, homie. You got to take that down about 50 notches, you know? But he's a man of wisdom. He is um, the priest of our home. And I am honored to be underneath his leadership in our home. We have three amazing daughters. Our oldest daughter is Brooklyn. She is upstairs in kids' church right now. She's about to be 11 going on 20. Okay, you know what I'm saying? She is a good girl, though. She loves the Lord with all of her heart, really gives her all for him. Um, She's a radical already at a young age. She loves soccer. If you see anything on our Facebook, you probably see a lot of Brooklyn with soccer because the girl just loves it. She begged me to play. I blame Dora the Explorer because when... She was a kid. She used to watch Dora all the time, and that was Dora's sport was soccer. I was like, what is up with that? 
Um, she got rocked at camp. I'm going to tell you what. Any one of you who had a children or a teenager who went to camp, they got rocked at camp. And, man, that is a blessing. And I do encourage any of the parents who are here, man, foster what happened in your kids. Man, fan the flame of what happened in your children. Because I'll tell you what, that will reap great rewards in their life and in turn in your family. We also have two little teeny tinies. We have twins, Briella and Bristol. They are four and they are sugar and spice and everything nice. And I really mean it with the sugar and the spice, especially if you've, if you've been around them, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, they want to be their big sister with everything in their little hearts and they love gymnastics and they can't wait to come to church. When I tell them tomorrow, Sunday, they go, oh, it's church tomorrow. You can ask anyone who's around them. If they're there at the time, they get jumped on and told that church is tomorrow because they get so excited about it. Man, just like our sister Tanisha said, this morning from the platform, man, let us have hearts like children, like Pastor Steve said. Let us have hearts like children, right? I want to thank Pastor Joshua. I want to thank Pastor Joy. Thank you for entrusting me to speak to the congregation. You guys have sowed into the seed, into this ground for years and years, and I count it as an honor and a privilege that you would trust me to speak to the fellowship that you flock, and I appreciate that this morning. If you guys would with me for a quick second, can we pray? And actually, honey, can you come up here real quick? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have my husband pray over me before I preach the word this morning. Father, we just thank you for our time together in this ministry, Lord. We pray, Father, that we would be touched, that we would be changed, and that we would be transformed this morning by your gospel. Lord, we thank you that we will not just come in here and just go through the motions, but, God, that we would come in here and be a changed people when we walk out this morning. In Jesus' name. And Father God, we just continue with that prayer, Lord. We just thank you, Lord God, for doing something new, Lord God. We thank you for that expectation, Lord God, that your word would come forward, Lord God, and change lives, Father. And we just thank you for using Laura as that vessel, Lord God, that no matter what she has planned, Lord God, that you would speak through it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I've learned early in ministry, submission to God and submission to your husband, especially as a woman, will release you into the fullness that God has in your life. And I pray that, that as women we would know that, and men, I pray that you would know that you are the ceiling for your wife and that you would release her into all that God calls her to. That's on a totally different note, but just thought I'd shout that one out there. If you have your Bible, if you could raise it up with me in the air. If you got it on a notebook, tablet, I don't, on your cell phone, whatever you got it on. If you don't have your word with you, you can go ahead and place your hand on your heart. Hopefully you got some good stuff stored in there, right? And we're going to make a declaration today. The way I grew up learning the scripture is, is we declare things in existence before it happens. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to say something, and then if you would, would you repeat it with me? This is my Bible. I believe I can be what it says I can be. I believe I can do what it says I can do. Your word is a light into my path and a lamp unto my feet. Your word has changed my life. Change me today. May my heart be open. Let me have a mind that is teachable. That I can do all that your word says that I can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, we've been in a series called Paint the Town Red. We've been talking about some really good stuff and a couple of things that are kind of tough to hear sometimes. But, you know, it's important for us to learn them nonetheless. We're going to conclude that series today. I'm excited about being the one who was asked to do it because I love finishing things up. I like gathering up all the little bits and pieces and packing it all together for us. Um, we chose the red letters. For those of you who don't know, the red letters in the scripture were the literal spoken words of Christ while he was here on the earth. Um, the, the color red was chosen somewhat for the obvious um, to signify the blood of Christ. It was actually an idea by a name, na- uh, man named Louis Klopsch. I don't know if he was German or something, but that was his name. Uh, He was under the mentorship of D.L. Moody, Dr. DeWitt Talmadge, great men of faith in the early 1800s, and they were trying to figure out a way to help people learn the scripture fast, okay? So they thought, let's put put these in red letters, the words of Christ, maybe this will help people. Um, The scripture that it was signified out of was Luke 22, 20, and it says in the same way he took the cup, and after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup which is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. Now, I love that, but I do want to remind us as we go into the scripture, because I'm going to touch on other ones that aren't necessarily red letter or in the New Testament, that John 1.1 teaches us that the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The word became flesh, and he was the light of man, and the darkness could not comprehend it. So the whole word is from the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So as we get into the message, I want you to understand that we're going to talk about the whole scripture, okay? Are you guys ready? I hope you're ready, man. I hope you're expecting something. I'm going to tell you real brief. I promise I won't take a long time. Was it two nights ago? The flames? Okay. So I'm laughing at Pastor Joshua's reference here earlier about fire and a fire pit. Those of you who've been to my house know we have a fire pit. So we had the fire pit burning, had a good old time, went in for the night, doused it, went in. It's probably like, what, midnight? We're like halfway asleep. And all of a sudden, I did one of these. Got up, looked out my window. Flames were burning, people. I'm talking about flames were burning. I started screaming, like, Isaiah, the house is on fire. You know, I'm screaming. We're like, boom, 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 down the steps. Get a, I'm telling you, I was like, Jesus, are you coming back? Like, there was smoke billowing. I mean, it literally swallowed in its flames. Do you know those big plastic uh, uh, chairs that are, like, high in the back and low on the bottom, and they kind of lounge? Consumed by the fire of the fire pit. It was, like, huge and humongous. And I kept saying, oh, my gosh. I don't even know why I looked out the window. And Isaiah said, would you stop saying that? You know why you looked out the window. You looked out the window because the Holy Spirit said, listen, I'm all about the fire, but not that kind of fire. Let's go burn. Let's, let's go put that one out. <laughs> so here we were out there. He was laughing at me because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Isaiah, get out of the way. He's like, what are you telling me to get out of the way for? I'm getting the hose. So we're out there, you know, taking out the blazes of fire and stuff. It was pretty awesome. And just so you know, not one thing got damaged on the house. Everything actually made it all into that fire pit. So thank you, Jesus. Not even the grass was burnt. I think there's a scripture about that, about going through the fire and not getting burnt. Oh, man, he really means what he says, right? All right, let's dive in. This is going to be good stuff. Have any of you guys ever heard um, this quote before? It says, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Have you guys ever heard that before? I hate when people say that. 
I hate it. You want to know why? Because it suggests that fulfilling your life's purpose is by chance. As believers, we know that is the farthest thing from the truth. We know that we are created on purpose for a purpose. A couple of weeks back during worship, you know, we had the presence of the Lord was moving so strong, similar to this morning. If you were here, you'll know what I'm talking about. The presence of the Lord was moving so strong, it was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you about to do? Because he was just blowing up, okay? Pastor Joshua grabbed the microphone, and in, in his way of doing things, which I love, he shouts out, are you serious? How many of you were there that morning? Remember, he was, he was shouting it like a madman. It was awesome. Because it had turned from just a, are you serious about what you're saying? Do you really mean what you're talking about? To a, are you serious about what you're saying and what we're worshiping unto the Lord? Do you guys remember that? And it was like all of a sudden the whole atmosphere switched to, I think I am serious about what I'm singing. And then all of a sudden we were singing out of a place where we were serious. I kind of want to touch on that here for a second. I want to couple it with this though. My uh, dear best friend here, Pastor Joy, she laughs at me because I say this often, especially when it comes to working out and eating well. I always say, this doesn't just happen on accident. You know what I'm saying? This doesn't just happen on accident. And she said, you know what? You need to get a shirt. You need to patent that. People would buy that shirt, you know? And as I was thinking about what Pastor Joshua was shouting out, and I'm thinking about my own quote, I heard the Lord say to me, this doesn't just happen on accident. It's not by chance. It's not by luck. You're not here this morning on accident. You are here on purpose because it was God's intention and you chose to get your hiney up out of the bed this morning. Your purpose, it's the reason for which you were created. Are you hearing me? Your purpose was the reason why you were created. Opportunity is a set of circumstances that makes it possible for you to do something. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? I would like to propose this statement to be different. Not that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. It's our purpose is when preparation meets God's intended opportunity for our lives. Can I say that again? Okay. Our purpose is when preparation meets God's intended opportunity for our lives. My desire this morning is to confirm this to you through the red letters of Christ. Would you guys go there with me this morning? Let's go to Luke chapter 9. We might already have it up there. Nope, wrong one. Sorry, I, I know I gave you guys a list this morning. We're going to start in Luke chapter 9. And we're going to read it together, okay? Starting in verse 20. When you're there, give me a little woo woo, a little snap snap, a little hey hey, like something. A little whoa. All right, Luke 9, verse 20. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Let's review before we move on. In verse 20, this scripture is wrapping up the beginning of chapter 9, where all the apostles were together, and Jesus was asking them, who do you say that I am? And Peter had the revelation, 
You are the Messiah. You are the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Old Testament. I love what Jesus' response is to this in Luke's account, verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now, in Matthew's account of this, you know, there were some accolades and praise and encouragement given to Peter that he had this revelation. But if you go down a little bit further in Matthew, the same response is given by Jesus. He strictly warned them not to tell anyone. You would think, now, if you've read any bit of scripture or been in vision ministries long enough, you would know that the disciples... takes three. <laughs> Amen. Three batteries and two pastors. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. Where was I at guys? Help me out. Okay. So we had just found out the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. And like I said, in Matthew and his account, it talked about how Peter, that rock, that revelation that he had, that the church would be, be built upon it. But then Jesus tells them not to tell anyone. If you've, and, and you have, you've been at vision for quite a while, most of you. We know that the disciples, they were like, duh, all the time. Jesus would teach these parables and then they would go back later. Hey, Jesus, what were you talking about? Because they couldn't get what he was saying. They couldn't comprehend what he was saying. You would think, listen, you would think Jesus would have been like, they finally got it. Someone finally got it. That I'm the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's shout it out. But that's not what Jesus did. I think it's very interesting that he did that. We're going to go into, I know that our, our, our wonderful Pastor Joy, she loves some acronyms. She loves them. I, or acrostics, rather. I didn't do an acrostic today, bestie. Sorry. I didn't. But I did do P's, so hopefully we can remember them all, okay? We're going to break down the four P's in these passages, okay? And the first one is going to be prediction. A prediction is a statement about what will happen, the act of saying what is going to happen in the future. Before I go into great detail, let me preface, okay? We need to understand that the word prediction that I'm using today or even reference to in the Bible is not the way the world looks at prediction. We're not talking about going to the horoscope. We're not talking about sidekicks, lucky numbers, all these kind of different things. All of that kind of stuff is witchcraft and it's a counterfeit. And without going into great detail, God's purpose was for us to receive the gift of prophecy, to know what would be coming in the future and for us to know how to to clean our lives of sin, to be able to move on with God. You see, Jesus was, our, was and is our great prophet, our priest, and our king. He fulfilled all the law, and he fulfilled all of the prophecy in the Old Testament. Let me set the stage a bit here, okay? Moses, we all know Moses, right? If you don't know Moses, you probably saw the Ten Commandments. We talked about that before, right? Okay, during Moses' transition of leadership to Joshua in Deuteronomy 18... We're going to, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to touch there briefly. Deuteronomy 18, 15 and 18, the verses are almost exactly the same. Here's what it says. The Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your fellow Israelites. And you must listen to him. 
Then if we go down a little bit in 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything that I commanded to them. What we get from those passages of scripture, number one, prophets are from God. Number two, what we get is that there would be a string really of prophets that would be raised up from the time of Moses until Jesus Christ. And that we are to listen to the prophets. In Deuteronomy 34.10, this is what was spoken of Moses. Since that time, no prophet had risen up in Israel like Moses, who knew God face to face. But I love how when Jesus came, he sealed it all up. In Hebrews 3, 5 and 6, I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, just stay with me though. Here's what was said of Moses. Moses was a great servant. Listen, in the transfiguration, when, they, when God brought back some mighty warriors to touch earth's ground again, it was Moses and Elijah who showed up with Jesus. It says Moses, in Hebrews 3, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But, see, these little words are important in the scripture, guys. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we, and we are his house if we indu, indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. You see, when Moses was here, there was no greater prophet up until Moses who had seen the Lord face to face. But when the son of God came, he was not just in God's house. He was over God's house and we are that house. Okay, so I want you to understand that when Jesus is speaking here, he is speaking prophetically in chapter 9 here. Okay, here's what he says in verse 22. And he said, we're back in Luke 9, 22. And he said, the son of man must first, what? Suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. You see, everything in the kingdom has a time and an order. Everything has to happen in its proper time. Jesus knew that he must suffer many things. Do you want to know why Jesus knew he must suffer many things? Because he knew he was setting a stage that we would also suffer many things. He knew he must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law so that he would have compassion when we are also rejected. That he must be killed and that he must be raised from the dead on the third day. These proofs had to be made before Jesus could fully release the disciples to tell the message. That hadn't happened. You see, back then, they were fine to think Jesus was just a prophet or just some radical on the earth. But if people started saying, Jesus was the son of God, and he came to the earth, and he's the salvation of man, well, we all seen what happened. What did they do to him? Even when they, what did they do to him when they found out? They crucified him on a cross. And just so you know, we would have all probably done the same thing too. Lest we judge. Verse 23. You guys still with me? Good stuff? You getting it? Man, the Bible is full of so much stuff. So much good stuff. Okay, I flipped a little too far there. Okay, we're going to go in verse 23 through 26, okay? We're still in Luke 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? 
Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I find it very interesting that after Jesus strictly warns them, which, by the way, I should have told you this. When he said strictly warn them, they were under penalty if they would have told. If you read that in the Greek, they would have been, un- they would have been in trouble. They would have been in timeout sitting on the chair with Jesus if they would have shared this beforehand. And instead of Christ being absorbed with himself and so happy that his people finally had the revelation, he turned the conversation at this point. He turned the conversation and said, listen, I think you should be less worried about what's about to happen to me and get prepared for what's about to happen to you. Pastor Joy preached wonderfully a couple weeks ago on being a true disciple of Christ. And I'm telling you, if you guys haven't gotten all the messages from Paint the Town Red, I encourage you. Go on RestoreTheVision.com, click the media page. All of those sermon series are there. It is powerful, and and we should read them. We learned that if indeed we are true disciples, if they were and we, they would need these three evidences, self-denial, staying power, and submission. Self-denial, I must decrease, he must increase. Right, Tanisha, know what she said this morning? I must decrease. He must increase. A staying power, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that what we sang this morning? On the road marked with suffering. Didn't we sing that this morning? Complete dedication. No matter what, God, I'm going to stay with you even if everyone else walks away. Submission. A willing obedience. That means that we choose to obey him. We choose to obey him, yes, because we love him, but we love him because we understand that he's asking us to obey him because he's trying to protect us. Sometimes I think we think God just wants to give us rules, and he doesn't. He wants to protect you. He wants to preserve your life. He wants you to be successful in life because he created you on purpose for a purpose. Are you with me this morning? I'm not going to lie, when we got to give that, st- that stuff up, it's hard. Ask the, ask the person who goes on the diet and they got to give up the donuts on the first day of work. That's self-denial. Can I get an amen? Hey, you know what? It's like, you know, when you first start, like, I got to get in shape. I got to do this. I got to do that. And your kids are, like, eating, like, an Oreo. And you're like, oh, man, I hope they don't finish that Oreo because I could just get a little bite off that Oreo. You don't act like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. You all know exactly what I'm talking about. Self-denial. We got to let it go. Jesus is better than that Oreo. I, pray, I promise you that. Jesus tells us ahead of time because he cares for us. You know, throughout the red letters, we have learned a lot. We have learned what we should let go of, what we should cling to, and what we should run from. Amen? All right. This brings us to our next P. Are you guys ready for the next P? The next P is the power. We're going to change our key scripture to Luke chapter 22. You guys can go there with me. Luke 22, we're going to be in, starting out in verse 24. The power, by definition, it's the ability to do or act. The capability of doing or accomplishing something. I like that. You guys there with me in Luke 22? All right. A dispute also arose among them. Let me first tell you, just prior to this set of scripture, Jesus was telling them, hey, listen, 
go find this man. He's got a room upstairs. We're going to have the last supper together. Okay. So that's where they are. They're sitting at the, the last supper. Jesus had just got done washing their feet, doing all that kind of stuff. And here's what happens. Remember how I said the disciples, they could be kind of like knuckleheads like us. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Oh, we don't do that. And even if we don't say it out loud, you know, you'd be thinking it in your head sometimes. Yeah, that's good, but you don't know about me, shoot. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves the table? Is it not the one who is at the table? I love the way this says it in the message too. I'm just going to touch on it. I'm not going to even go there because you know what? The message, ooh, the message sometimes it cuts, man. Ooh, it goes right to it. On, on the good stuff, when you're encouraged, it's like, man, this is so good. But when it cuts, you're like, ooh, that hurts. Okay, here's what it says in the message. Within minutes, they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. But Jesus intervened. Kings like to throw their weight around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you be like the junior, and let the leader act the part of the servant. Burn. <laughs> stomp, stomp, stomp. Come on, guys. Listen, think about where you work right now. Shoot, I don't know why they got that promotion. I'm trying to be real about this. Or when your kids are at home fighting, well, I'm better at this and you're better at that. Isn't that how we are by nature? We always just want to be just the best. And sometimes we don't want to just be the best because we want to give it unto the Lord. Sometimes we want to be the best because we want everybody to know I'm the best. And you know what? That's exactly how the Gentile kings were. Jesus points out that the Gentiles lorded over them. Lorded over them means that they controlled them like they were God. Okay, think, do you realize how harsh that is? It wasn't like, oh, honey, pick that up and put that away. No, they, they lorded over them like a taskmaster, like a whip in their hand. And, and what I think is funny is, it says that those same people who lorded over them in verse 25, they called themselves benefactors. That word benefactors means that they were a person of the people. You know what I'm saying? Can you think of someone, man, just everybody likes them. You know, you know can you think of someone like that, that you know, man, every, they were not benefactors, okay? People did not like them. You cannot be lorded over by someone who micromanages you and cracks the whip at you and say, oh, I love you. You're my favorite person. No, that's not what you're doing. You want to get away from these people. They were fakers. They were putting on airs. They were not God, and they were not well-loved. And how do we know that? Because Jesus says in verse 26, you are not to be like that. You are not to be like that. I am not to be like that. Yes, Lord. Help us, God. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Just so we don't get confused by what this means. It's not saying, don't get me wrong, our teens and our, our, our uh, children, they got blasted. And I can tell you what, right now, some of, us, some of them are leading us. They're going after God and they don't care about what anybody else thinks for them. And we should be glad about that. And we should learn from that. 
We should care a whole heck of a lot less about what everybody else thinks about us and instead what God thinks about us. But in this instance, they're not saying here that you should act like a child. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not saying you're supposed to be like a young person, a novice, someone who has not reached maturity. That's not who Jesus is saying for us to act like. He doesn't want us out there like we don't know what we're doing. He is saying, no, I want you to be young, like new and fresh. You know, like when Becca came in with her new brand new baby or when Lisey had her and you said, they're just so, they're just so in the skin smells so good and they're so soft and they're fresh, untainted. That's what God wants from us. That's how he wants us to be. He wants us to be like the new wine in Matthew 9. He wants us to be the new man, like in Colossians 3.10, when he's saying to be like the younger, like the new covenant, not like the world looks at things. That should be our way of serving. I have served with plenty of people who are my elder. I could look at Miss Vicki Thomas. I could look at Sister Juanita. And I'm telling you, when I'm with them, that is fresh oil. That is fresh anointing. They don't come at me like, shoot, I've been serving the Lord this long. I got this kid doing this. My daughter's a pastor. They're not telling you all of that. That's the way the world does things. They come alongside of you and they're like, how can I bless you this morning? Man, Sister Juanita, she'll come up and give you a hug. And she's like, Sister Laura, you're just such a blessing to me. Are you kidding me? That woman could teach me stuff that would blow my mind. New wine, new, fresh spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? that we can receive from them. That should be our way of serving, man, at work and at school, at home. What would our children, what would our coworkers, what would our peers say about us? I'm serious. I want us to take a real quick second here. If you were at work, what would your peers say about you? Teenagers, if you were at school, what would they say about you? Mommies and daddies, man, Pastor Steve, whoo, he hit the nail on the head this morning. What would your children say about you in your home? Burn, baby, burn. Right? Help us, Lord. Have you ever worked alongside of someone that no matter what you were doing, it was like, I didn't even realize I was doing any work because it was just so fun. You just had such a good time. Have you ever worked with someone like that? That's the way it's supposed to be. When it says serve, the one who is, who is a leader should be like the one who serves. Do you get what I'm saying? The fresh wine, the new man, the old man is dead. Amen? Verse 27 and 28. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Basically, is it the one who's eating the grub or the one who's the waiter? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You see, we are to be servants and Christ is our greatest example. Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, a ransom for many, the price paid for our release from bondage. I could tell you what, when's the last time we've served like that? When's the last time that our service has been a sacrifice unto the Lord? You know, often God isn't asking for spilt blood to be somewhere, but he is asking us for some sacrifice. He is asking us to serve this way, right? Didn't we have these out this morning talking about stepping up? Do we want anyone to serve out of emotion? Nope. Because then, then you'll be calling like, I can't make it, Pastor. I'm so sorry. I know I signed the card, but now I can't do it. 
Don't serve out of emotion. But listen, we do need to think for a second. A lot of us stepped up and filled out this card and we're ready to go. And some of us need to really think for another quick second and say, God, what can I do that would really be a sacrifice for my family unto you? What would be a sacrifice? What is something I can give up for you so that we can do life big? Do you know that these kind of things, this isn't just so that we can have a big church and like be all excited about ourselves. It's so that we can feed hundreds of people every week. Are you guys seeing what I'm saying? Those kids, those 35 kids and teens, which it was way more than that for them to get touched at camp. Didn't they get touched? Because that's what we're doing it for. What about the 2,000 souls reached through outreach? We got some work to do. In case anyone thinks that Pastor Joy, Pastor Josh, and the leadership of the church is like, let's just throw out some stuff. Let's just, let's just make up some random goals, and let's see if we can do it. Okay? That's not what we do. That is not the way our church operates. We come unto the Lord in fasting and prayer, and the Lord says this to us, 2,000 souls reach through outreach. And the Lord says to us, 100 new souls added to the body. What are you doing to make that happen? What sacrifice are you doing to accomplish the vision? What am I doing to accomplish the vision? We're so preoccupied often within ourselves to look at each other and find out what's wrong with one another instead of putting up that mirror and looking at what's wrong with us. Do you know that if there is any power and control you can have to some degree is over yourself? I can't change my husband even though I wouldn't change a doggone thing. (laughs) But I can't change him. But you know what I can do? I can change my attitude when he checks me. Listen, there is nothing worse than a peaceful, calm man like my husband is to say, you know what, babe? I think you really need to work on this. I'd rather be like, babe, you need to work on this, man. You need to get it right. Because then I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'd just buck up too. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But Zay doesn't play me like that. He comes at me like, come here, baby. Let me talk to you about something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Come on, those of you who are married, you know what it's like. And and it goes kind of both ways. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You're laughing at me, but it's kind of true. We got to look in the mirror and do some work on ourselves, and stop being so concerned with who's sitting next to us and be more concerned about who's not sitting next to us. Where did they go? Who are the, the ones who were sitting with us at the beginning of the summer? Are they all here? What about a year ago? I mean, if everybody still came to vision that have come through these doors, we would not have room to contain the amount of people. But we are so concerned with ourselves and pointing at each other that we just let them slip through the cracks. Have mercy on us, Lord. Let us move and operate in the strength and peace that God gives us. Amen? Our next P, the position. How am I doing on time? Help me. <laughs> Little. Okay. We might finish here, okay? Let me, we might just wrap it up here. The position. What position do you hold? I'm just going to, I'm going to fly right through this, guys, because I really want you to hear this, okay? Position, it's the place where, where someone or something should be the appropriate place. Isaiah and I often say this when we're talking to people. Are you the right person at the right place in the right time? Because if you're not, then you can't walk in God's full purpose. You could be the right person and you might be in the wrong place. 
you could be the wrong person at the right place in time. Do you want to know what I mean by that? We switch stuff up on the inside and we fix ourselves up so that we're ready when our opportunity comes. But if we're not, we could be the wrong person at the right time. I love what Jesus said about his disciples here in verse 28. We're still in those key scriptures. Let me try to move it on though. It says, you are not, or you are those who have stood by me in my trials. Can you imagine if Jesus said to you, you are someone who has stood with me through my trial. Come on guys, we get a bill in the mail and we're ready to lose our salvation. God, where are you? Don't, come on, guys. That's the truth. Let it be said of Vision Ministries, we are the kind of people who stood with God. We have stood with Christ. Man, even when it hurts like hell, guys, let us stand with God. Let us stand with Christ. Listen, when that fire burns and it rages around us, it does feel like hell. And you know what? Sometimes we do things ourselves, and we put ourselves in that hellfire. And when we got to get out of it, it burns. And we, we got sores, and we got burns on our body when we come back in. But when he rescues us out of it, let us cling to him as, as if our life's breath depended on it, because it does. When the fire rises and the waters, or the, the, the fire comes at us and the waters rise, let us not Turn to the side and say, where is our God? Let's remember what he accomplished on the finished work of the cross. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the art of the Lord, arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. Do you know what that feels like? Some of you do by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Some of you are sitting in here. You barely got in here this morning because of the pain that is in your body. He understands your pain. Some of you have wounds in your heart that cut so deep you can't even think straight. But God understands. He is familiar with your pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and held in low esteem. Surely, listen to me, saints. Listen to me, sinners. Because we're both. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Please don't tire of these scriptures. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity, for that crack pipe. He was, he was crushed for it. Given into that perversion, he was crushed for it. And the punishment that we should have received from it, he took it for our peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. We are all like sheep, all, 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 me, everyone in this front row, anyone who is a leader in this church, from the top to the newborn baby that's in the nursery to this man, all of us have turned our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. My friends, please let us remember the finished work of the cross. Now in his eternal life, in John 17, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory. Jesus is saying this to God the Father. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. 
Where should we be positioned? Where should we be stationed at? We should be stationed at the finished work of the cross. So when the bill comes, when, when someone who's, who is uh, seductive towards us, we can resist. We can stand strong. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the fires rage, when our kid is acting a hot mess. I am stationed at the finished work of the cross and I stand there and I will not be swayed. I will not cry unto God and act like he's not there because he says he reigns on the just and the unjust. But the just, we get through it with him by his peace. The preparation, the last P, I'm only going to touch on it really brief so we can be done. To prepare the process or the action of making ready. The last portion of the scripture is a call to prepare for some really bad stuff. Verse 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. We're called to be a sifted servant unto the Lord. Back then, you just got beat. Sifting back, they beat it to the ground to try to get that yummy little piece of grain on there that would make our bread from the chaff. That's how Satan's going to come at you. He's going to beat the snot out of you, if he can, to separate you from your finished place at God's work on the cross. Do you understand? He's going to come at you with every... If you think there is something that I hope that Satan doesn't come after me with, he will come after you with that. John 12, 24, Jesus said, but very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Those things that we go through, they're not just to tear us down. It's not because God wants to see, can you really stay with me? He knows, he knows that if we die to ourselves, not just us would be saved, but all of our hearers. Can you hear what I'm saying? Because that's what I want you to get from my message this morning, that I believe that the Lord wants to say. And I'm sorry, I got to say it. We have this mystery in jars of clay. Are you listening to me? We are to do the work of an evangelist. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are his ministers of reconciliation. Too often when we sit out here, you know what we think? We think that's what Pastor Joy and Pastor Joshua do all week. They're supposed to be the ones who preach and do this and do that and go to the hospitals and visit. Okay, I'm going to give a big news flash here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave. These are the gifts he gave to the church. He gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. To what? To equip his people. To prepare his people for works of service. We've got to get a paradigm shift here. Not, not that our pastors and our leadership team of the church, our pastoral team, are not supposed to be doing these things as well. But their job, in case you, if you want to call it that, is to train us up so that we go out there and we do the works of service. So that we go out there and we're able to see someone who's got sickness in their body and we could touch him and say, I can't wait for the day you're off of that respirator. In Jesus' name. Are you guys listening to me this morning? That's what we're, that's what their job is. Their job, if you will, their call is, if you will, to equip us to get out there 
and bring in the loss wherever you are. There you are. Ask my sister, my daughter's soccer team. They don't even know what to do with me. Want to know why? Because I have church at every game and they're my congregation and they know it. One of them who's actually on that team is a bona fide atheist and she's telling me she's going to convert me back. And I said, we'll see. I believe one day you're going to be sitting with me on the front row of my church. And the funny thing about it is, it's not like it's all hard and like she's like all uncomfortable around me. Because see, sometimes we think that's how it has to be. That's not how it's how. She can't even help but like me. She don't want to like me, but she likes me. Do you know what I'm saying? Because when you have Christ's love in you and you're not doing it out of compulsion, you're doing it out of the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit, people don't think you're weird. They don't think you're fruit nakes. What is it? Fruit flakes and nuts. <laughs> they think, oh, I don't necessarily agree with what this person is saying, but I can't help but to like them. But it ain't even me she likes. It's him that's inside of me. Come on, saints. Remember the red letters. Listen to me. Remember the red letters. Remember they are God's. Listen, as we close this, this sermon series, please take this with you. Remember the red letters. They are God's message of love, prayer, discipleship, the parable of the sower, the prodigal son, the denial of self, the shedding of grave clothes, the deliverance of man, the healing power of Christ, the salvation of mankind. Let's paint the town red. Are you hearing me? This is a call to action. This isn't just a sermon series. This is a call to action. Paint the town red. I declared over you this morning. Paint the town red. And I'm going to say it again. Paint the town red with the message of Jesus Christ, with the blood that spilled on the cross for the salvation of mankind. Would you stand with me this morning? When my mother-in-law was going through a really difficult time with her husband, he was very sick. And my husband, he was also very sick. For those of you who don't know, he was actually at one point considered dead and was brought back to life and literally came out of a coma on, on the third day. Don't you love it? On the third day. I'm going to stand up here because I'm short so you can see me. It's not because not of anything other than that. Otherwise, you'll just barely see the top of my head. When my husband laid in that bed and they said to, said to her, we don't know if he's going to come out of this, if he's going to survive. Some of you know my mother-in-law, man, great woman of God, if I could just be a little bit like her. She wrote this scripture out that the Lord led her to do, and she posted it over my husband's bed, and it stayed over there until he came out of the hospital, and then it's been in our home ever since. She gave it to us. I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. You see, sometimes we fret and we get afraid and we feel like we can't do things. And it's because we haven't entrusted it to the Lord. She entrusted her son. She entrusted her husband. And for some of us today, we need to entrust some things to the Lord that weary our minds. Some of us come back to the same things over and over again and you hear me saying paint the town red and you want to, but then you say, but what about this and what about that and what about this and what about that? Will you entrust it to Jesus today? Would you allow God to handle that? When I first came to know the Lord and got called into the ministry, I said, Lord, I'm an orphan. 
I live with alcoholics. How can I do anything? He said, baby girl, if you handle my business, I promise you, I will, hand, I will handle yours. And he says that to you this morning. Handle his business and he will handle yours. If you will close your eyes with me. Father, I pray for those who are underneath the sound of my voice this morning. God, some people are here this morning and they're saying, I don't, I'm not even completely right with God right now, but I feel that pounding in my chest, in my throat. I feel like my heart maybe is like in my big toe or something crazy. Lord, I pray, Father, that they will come to know you this morning. For those of us who are here and we feel like, you know what, I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to step up my commitment to you, Lord, and not just be a hearer of the word, but do a, be a doer of the word. Father, I pray that you would touch them this morning. And Father, I thank you for those who are, are even to the next level where their past just stepping it up in their own, in our own church, but they're ready to take this to the streets. They're ready to paint the town red. They're ready to advance your kingdom in the earth. Father, I pray for them this morning. And there was a word this morning that if you have sickness in your body, if you would just raise your hand up, I'm going to pray for you. We believe that there is healing in the house. If you have a sickness in your mind or in your physical body, in your heart, if you would raise your hands up. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that your healing anointing would flood over your people this morning. Lord, I pray you would touch them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, I thank you that a restoration of their bodies would come about. Lord, that you would destroy tumors. Lord, that you would take away um, headaches. Lord, that you would heal people who are having problems with their sciatic nerve. Lord, I thank you that you would touch people who are dealing with high blood pressure and diabetes. God, I thank you that you are healing and touching them this morning. Father, I thank you that you are seeing the wounded souls, Lord, who are carrying the shame and the disgrace of their past. God, I thank you that you are healing their souls this morning, God, in Jesus' name. If you're that person who needs to make a relationship with Jesus, if we could all just say this together, I want you to know, I feel like I said the word pretty clear that it's going to be a struggle, but you don't have to go it alone anymore. Would you all repeat this with me, Father God? I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. Take a couple seconds, tell him what your sins are. He need, it's important for you to do that. Take a few seconds. I thank you, repeat with me, I thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Change my life. You died for me. I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Joshua. If you'd like for us to join with you in prayer, I know we went over a little over today. We would love to do that. If you slip out of your seat and you come stand up front we'll have some of our prayer team come and pray with you make sure that if you're a first or second time guest that you greet pastor join the back and i'm gonna just declare a blessing over you and you can be dismissed so may the lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you may he turn his face towards you may he give you peace in jesus name amen amen god bless you friends if you would like prayer, we would love to pray for you. If you got to slip on out, greet somebody. Make sure you greet Pastor Joy. Um, if we can have some of our leadership team come up front, we would uh, that way we can pray 
for those who need prayer. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, friends. God bless you. Thank you.